Genesis 19, verse 20. To Genesis 20, verse 7. We'll pray for the Spirit's guidance. So, Lord and our God, as we open your book of life, I just pray that you give us that wisdom that you promise us, that uh, wisdom and endurance to take the task of dominion in your land here, Lord. I just pray, O Lord, that your words penetrate our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 19, starting in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea, into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And I give, as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with the life. That is its blood. And for your blood, lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. You may be seated. Here we see the renewal of the covenant with man that God made. He made it with Adam before the fall. And now with Noah, notice he does say a few things different. Now the animals are for food as well. But also, there's a reckoning when an animal or a man's life is ended. There's a reckoning. It's a serious matter. Particularly if somebody kills somebody. But also we are to be mindful of the animals that we use for our food and take the life of them. It's important to God But we're also saying, seeing, you know, as we are sent out to be the stewards of God's earth, 
He's given us a great, enormous responsibility. A blessing, but a task. We are to be the discoverers, the directors for the good of mankind, all the amazing resources on this planet created by God, and all the hidden treasures that God has in those resources. We are to to develop them, to discover them, to refine them genetically. The task should always be in the most efficient and least invasive methods. It all starts with the condition of our heart, though. If we don't have the condition in our hearts right that God is the creator God, the sustaining God, we will miss the big picture. God created, this is why we ended the last time, God created the earth. And contained in that creation is the ability in his creation to provide food, and comforts for all generations till he returns. And then the second point I left was we as his image bearers are given the ability to discover the abundance not yet revealed in his creation by being faithful stewards, which results in a blessing for all of mankind. Faithful stewardship brings great improvements to the human condition. Again, it's imperative that we believe in the ability of the Creator God to sustain His creation until He returns. The Scripture tells us that, that Jesus sustains all things. It's summed up in that verse 22, while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. That is one verse you should teach your children and you should memorize. It will not cease. There will be planting and harvesting. Our statement of faith should read something like this, and this is from the Cornwall Alliance. We believe earth and its ecosystems created by God's intelligent design and infinite power and sustained by his faithful providence are robust, self-reliant, self-regulating, and self-correcting, admirably suited for human flourishing, and displaying his glory. His glory. Sounds like they base that on, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And we live in a world, I mentioned last time, where Mankind likes to go contrary to that. 
And I mentioned some things just in my life. It would be global cooling. We'd all be living in Florida or southern Texas. I was taught when I was in high school. Then we were taught global warming will melt the ice caps and Florida will be flooded and gone. So then I guess we'll be living in Texas alone. Water levels on the Great Lakes would never be sufficient again. Two years later, there was flooding. The central aquifer in Wisconsin would dry up. I drove by there a couple weeks ago. It has not dried up. The guy's boathouse is still underwater. Again, and these were all certain predictions by top scientists. Tops of their field. They had one thing in common with uh, Christians, the Christians who try to predict when Jesus will come back the day and the hour. They're 100% wrong. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Let that be your comfort. Don't rest in the predictions of man. You'll lose sleep over it. Now the latest thing is you're all being killed if you have a gas stove. You've used them for probably over 100 years. Now you're all going to die. These hyper-polluters. Well, when you look at this study that they're Citing. The study is done by electric company representatives. What a surprise. You think they might be biased? The study pulled in a lot of European countries because they couldn't get the numbers they wanted from the United States. And when you look at the paper, when you dig a little deeper into it, their so-called scientific expert paper can be pulled apart completely and destroyed. Go on the Cornwall Alliance site, look it up. It sounds exactly how it's spelled. They go through and they can debunk that thing. It's just garbage. It would never pass any peer inspection. But we live in an era, in an age, when we have a government in charge that says they want to eliminate all fossil fuels. So is there any surprise that it's coming out now where they can get maybe or convince politicians, some maybe really care about people, that, oh, we're killing our children. I mean, it's such a threat. The gas stoves in the United States use less than 1% of the natural gas. It's 0.4%. Yet they want to ban all fossil fuels, and those fossil fuels are given to us by God, from God, for our benefit. Cheap energy, 
And you know, for years they always said, we have to get to use natural gas. It's the cleanest fuel out there. And they're right. And now they're saying we have to ban natural gas because there's so much of it. It gives people independence. Like again, I want all of you to be like Columbo. And if you don't know who Columbo is, have your parents tell you if they're old enough. We have to investigate and we have to look and we have to be readers, we have to be researchers. We can't just sit by like a bobblehead going, yep, 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 you're the expert. The experts, for most part, are biased, and they're biased on both sides, conservative and liberal. But our task is to sort through and come up with the truth the best that we can. Sometimes people are deceived by these studies and they have the best intentions. They'll pass stupid laws. They're already banning some gas stoves in New York. Take up these investigations, these investigational tasks, because it's part of your dominion responsibility. You have to sort through the truth and teach your children how to sort through the to get to the truth. And we're not given an easy road. Salvation is not an easy road. It's what comes after taking dominion where we have to put our nose to the grindstone and walk the walk. That God is in charge of this earth and we're his representatives who should take charge of this earth for the benefit of mankind. Now I'm going to make a prediction. My prediction is we will see swings in the weather. We will see deluges in places. And it will lead to global cooling probably later this year, maybe by a couple degrees. Which will lead to less crops. Remember last time I told you the volcano erupted on Tonga? That was in 2020. Spewed metric tons of water and ash. I think that one went up 26 kilometers. And all that water is coming down. We're seeing it come down in places like the Middle East. We saw it in Florida where they're getting 15 inches of rain. We saw it in California where it's getting just dumped on. We've seen the warm temperatures, which is part of the ash problem in the atmosphere. But also we're seeing where we have these drastic temperature swings where within a couple hours it'll drop 15 degrees. But we have satellite images that show this cloud floating around with all this water and ash. 
And when it comes over those regions, that's where the temperature drops. It's from the volcanic activity. And to top it off, on April 11th, the largest volcano in Russia, the Shavalachik, erupted. Sent ash and water vapor 20 kilometers into the stratosphere. Enough water vapor that it was 10 times the amount of water that normally is up there. When the ash settled, some of the area, the initial ash that didn't get up to the stratosphere, 42,000 square miles were covered with ash. And historically, if you look back, when you get that much particulates, that much stuff up in the stratosphere, it does cool the earth. It does send rain where it hasn't sent rain. And we're seeing that as well. A lot of the desert areas in North Africa, Afghanistan, are being deluged so much that what was once desert is now grass coming up. And that's from the Tonga volcano. But historically, when you go back into some of these desert areas on these older maps, these areas are called Fertile Valley because they were so productive in crops. So you also see the sunspots have a way of controlling the Earth's climate. And now some of the ones who say it's the end of the time because there's been swarms of locusts in places where there's never been locusts for decades and decades because there was no grass. The desert locusts are coming back. And the reason I'm bringing this up, it didn't take long for me to read and then just keep following the trails to understand why we're seeing why we saw the warm weather here. Why we're seeing these deluges. It isn't global warming, global cooling from man. It's the effects of these volcanoes. It's the effect of the sunspots. And when you, again, you look at these historical maps, you can see it. You look at the satellite images and compare the earth temperature in those areas, you can see where it drops because of this ash and particulates in the sky. And when this water starts coming down from this volcano in Russia, Shevalak, you will see flooding and deluges because it has 10 times more water floating around in those areas. It moves about the earth. And the reason, again, I'm bringing it up, teach it to your children to look beyond what you read in the papers. Global warming caused 15 inches of rain. Global cooling is calling these late free because of 
we have a late freeze. We must be readers. We must be investigators. Tells us all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We must be equipped for every truth. And that means we must be able to smell out bad truth, bad information. And each of us are given special tasks, special gifts. God will put people in every field. God will raise up people like Solomon. He will raise up people like King David, wise rulers. You will see men like Alfred the Great rise up and carry Christianity in the leadership. But it starts with us. We must train up our children. Remember all the, the Christian, well, the, I don't want to say Christian scientists, but the scientists who are Christian. That's just a short list. Hundreds of them. But again, God uses all mankind. He uses non-believers to advance his earth, his kingdom. But we must trust in God's manual. We must trust in his word. As God said, everything he made, and behold, it was very good. God made this good earth. He will not let it be destroyed. There will be planting and harvesting till he comes again. It all starts there. We have to settle that in our minds and our hearts. And no matter how many times they beat the catastrophic drum, we should rest on his promises that there will be planting and harvesting. And man can screw up areas in the earth. Don't get me wrong. It's a big earth. It's sufficient to supply food for all of mankind. So that being said, let's get down into a little more specific. And as the title says, what did I say? The good and the questionable. Well, the good is God. The questionable is me. It's why I even entered into taking on this type of message. Somebody with a maroon shirt had something to do about it. But uh, <laughs> I'm not going to answer a lot of questions here. But maybe it's not my job. But I am going to bring up a lot of things that you have to question. How do we take dominion in it? And maybe it's our job to teach our children, our children's children, how to be leaders, how they would handle these situations. Deuteronomy twenty nineteen, When you besiege a city for a long time, making war against it in order to take it, you shall not destroy its trees, 
by wielding an axe against them. You may eat from them, but you shall not cut them down. Are the trees in the field human, that they should be besieged by you? Only the trees that you know are not trees for food you may destroy and cut down, that you may build siege work against the city that makes war with you until it falls. Now I'm going to read what Calvin says about this. The sum is that although the laws of war opened the gates to the plunder and rapine, still they were to beware as much as possible, lest the land be desolated. It should be barren for the future. In short, what the booty was so to be taken from the enemy is that the advantage of the human race should still be considered, and that posterity might still be nourished by the trees which do not quickly arrive at the age of fruit-bearing. So what he's saying and what God's word is saying, even in war, we are commanded to be mindful of God's good earth. Matthew Henry says, The intent of many of the divine precepts is to restrain us from destroying that which is our life and food, that armies and their commanders are not allowed to make what desolation they please in the countries that they are the seat of war. Military rage must always be checked and ruled with reason. War, though carried on with ever so much caution, is destructive enough and should not be made more so than is absolutely necessary. Generous spirits will show themselves tender not only of man's lives, but of their livelihoods. For though the life is more than meat, yet it will soon be nothing without meat. So both of these commentators agree. Even in war, we are to be mindful of the destruction of the earth. Damaging areas where it affects future generations. And many believe, and I believe they are correct, that it's not just talking about trees. It's talking about the sustainability. We do not damage the planet. If we damage the soil so bad that the trees can't grow, you're killing the trees anyway. There's a bigger picture. A wider meaning. But isn't it amazing how God, even at the time of war, is concerned about his very good earth? Because for the most part, wars are for a season. They're short term. And God is looking at the sustainability of the long term until he returns. Even a hundred-year war compared to history is short-term when you compare to all of history. Has this been followed? The Syrians, when they came in and took 
the Jewish people captive. In their writings, they said that they delighted in cutting down the fruit trees and burning them. When Sherman, General Sherman of the North, marched to the sea through the south, they destroyed pretty much everything, polluted the wells, destroyed the food crops. They didn't want the south to be resupplied. Was that right? Was it biblical? It helped end the war. It helped end the war. Our bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki helped end the war, but was it right? Land there has radiation in it. For decades and decades, it couldn't be used. How would you as a Christian leader address those questions? Let's look a little closer to our current time. Or semi-current, my time anyway. Operation Ranch Hand in Vietnam. 20 million gallons of Agent Orange and other herbicides were sprayed on South Vietnam. And South Vietnam was the people we were supposed to be helping. And much of this was just sprayed on the indigenous mountain population areas. There's like a lot of our Native Americans. There's a lot of tribes in Vietnam. The Viet Cong would either steal food, barter food, or buy food from these people. So much of their land was sprayed with Agent Orange, destroying their land. They weren't armed participants in the conflict, even. Agent Orange contains dioxins, which cause birth defects. They call it a forever chemical. It does not come out of the soil. Much of this area, thousands and thousands of square miles, you cannot grow crops. You can grow them, but if you eat them, you'll have children with birth defects. Was it biblical to use Agent Orange? They may say it helped shorten the war. They wanted to save American lives. But was it a long-term devastation for a short-time war gain? Was it? Now, this is personal to me because two of my friends, childhood friends, died of Agent Orange poisoning. They're glad they made it out of Vietnam alive. And in their case, the one you knew a noticeable difference 
He was one of these guys that bushy hair and a beard where you could shave three times a day and you swore he hadn't shaved in two days. When he came back, he had absolutely no hair anywhere on his face. Any part where you could see anyway on him, no hair at all. Both of them died at the age of 50. Cause of death, Agent Orange. In small doses, it's a slow killer. So they, 30 years, 30 years, average age is what, 78? So they died 30 years younger than what they should have. My brother is finally getting compensated for his medical problems related to Agent Orange. My uncle, he got a double dose. He was at Camp Lejeune. I'm sure you heard those ads on the radio. He was poisoned. And then he got Agent Orange. Cost him his spleen, his bladder, and his testicles. Talked to him a couple months ago. He said they think they ran out of pieces to cut off. And because the dioxins go through the genetics, his son got cancer at 30 years old. They say that was related directly to the Agent Orange. You know, they paid out $2.2 billion. Took them over 40 years to admit that they did something wrong. But what if you're the person in the trench? What if you're the guy in the foxhole and the drug goes right there? Would you say spray away? Because the enemy can sneak right up and kill you. And a lot of this they defoliated to give a buffer zone. Was it white? What have it been right? Fifty-eight thousand Americans died in Vietnam from the kinetic war. That means the standard war. Three hundred thousand died from Agent Orange poisoning. Four hundred thousand. South Vietnamese died of Agent Orange poisoning. And these were the people we were fighting for. And the orphanages are still filled with deformed children from people who still try to eat the food. So I ask you, If you were to take dominion, what kind of decisions would you make? Would you say, go ahead and use the Agent Orange and kill 700,000 people, probably hundreds of thousands who weren't even part of the war, and ruin the land? It would be for our lifetime and probably our children's lifetime where they can't plant any of this stuff. Now we can say maybe they didn't know it was toxic. Well, Monsanto made it, and in the early 1950s, they knew it was toxic. It's 
especially the dioxins, because they had their scientists dropping over dead from it. And why would it be put in a defoliant? Because we use Roundup now, which is glyphosate, which is part of Agent Orange, and it doesn't have the dioxin in. So why was the dioxin in in Vietnam? Again, I don't have the answer for a lot of these questions. But if we're to take dominion, or our children or our children will take dominion, or we raise up people who are politicians or rulers, they have to make these decisions. And what about my uncle? Is he accountable? He flew missions over Laos. And like most veterans trying to get information about the war, it's like pulling teeth. But the reason missions were flown over Laos was to spray Agent Orange and defoliate part of a country that we weren't even at war with. So should have my uncle been punished? If we're going to be the judge in the land, who do we hold accountable? And I know I'm looking at this through the lens of what I can find and read, but the statistics come from the U.S. government for both uh, the Vietnamese casualties and our own. And the Red Cross from Vietnam concurs with those numbers. I don't have the answers, but I do know two of my friends are dead. That shouldn't have been. My uncle's life has been torn apart for, with all these medical pro- problems for decades. His son's life was devastated with early on cancer. And if that's how we treat our allies, kill 400,000 with a chemical, I think I'd rather have an enemy. These are questions we have to ponder and think as believers. We're to take all spheres of life and bring it under God's law. So I hope you see the struggle that in reading about this, I think, you know, the scriptures say in the increase of knowledge comes the increase of grief. It breaks my heart. These orphanages filled with Children missing limbs, not from the bombs and artillery, but because of genetics, the dioxins. But again, maybe I'm just supposed to raise the question, and we're to train up our children and our children. Say life is difficult, we have these decisions we have to make. As believers, we have this responsibility as we mature as a church 
We have to trust in God's Word and say, yeah, He will give us the wisdom to take on these complicated questions. So how would you answer that? Was it right for us to use these deadly dioxins and do that in Vietnam? I think the best would be if we just keep our nose out of the wars. A small, dinky nation, thousands of oceans away. Was that a real threat to us? And land that won't be productive anymore? I think the reason, for me anyway, maybe for you also, why this is difficult is because the church has never thought about it before in our lifetime, that we are to take dominion. All spheres of life, we've been taught to back away from politics and that stuff. But I think we have to be involved, be informed, get out of our comfort zone. And for some of us, it might be, well, talking about being, caring about the environment, are you going to be going with the these environmental extremists, with the, what, PETA and that? And maybe we don't feel comfortable that we actually agree with them on some things. But maybe we should. My dad served in World War II. He was called up for the Cuban Mission Crisis. And I remember one of the students in our class wanted to protest against the war. And this guy was the top of our class. And I went. My dad probably would have threw me out of the house to begin with, but I was ignorant. But in hindsight, if I know what I know now in a later age, a little wiser, hopefully, I probably would have been right alongside of him. And if my dad knew this information, he probably would be right alongside of us. My dad was a reader and a thinker. And one other reason we as a church do not believe or think of taking dominion for the betterment of mankind is because the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's the way it is. God's he's going to return. He's turning it over to Satan. This eschatology of we lose everything here on earth. Why fight? It's wrong. It's a new teaching. It's never been a teaching. But it sure sells books. 
My intent with this message is to make you uncomfortable where you're at in life. Uncomfortable in your minds. That you question these things as I question them as I prepare these messages. And I don't have the answers. It's going to take a a better biblical scholar than me. But we all see things that are wrong and it's our duty to make them right. To make the right calls. To train our children up to make the right calls. And surely our God will help us, His servants, take dominion. Because He's given us His Word that He would. Let us pray. My Lord and our God, as we've looked at, I would say, a more complicated verse in Scripture, I just pray that I expounded on it, pleasing to You, O Heavenly Father. I see the ignorance in myself concerning these issues. And the more questions, the more I ponder, the more questions come. Teach us to mature, O Heavenly Father. Teach us to have the answers for these difficult questions. Raise leaders up from your church to take on all spheres of your earth here, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.